you ever wonder why Oscar was such a piece of shit? I mean, compared to every other character on Sesame Street, he was by far the meanest and most foul-mooded. And while you could argue it's because he was meant to be like an insert or representation of how you don't always have to be happy to still be loved, I think I found the truth. Oscar the Grouch knew the horrors and bullshittery of the American garbage collection system. So get your nuts ready and get ready to start sprouting dirty green fur and to, and to smell like piss and use takeout containers as we talk about waste and garbage on this episode of Why Aren't You Talking About This? Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Waytat. I'm your host, William, and I will be your host for this episode of Crawling Through Filth. Or some of you call it my entire show. Regardless, it means the world to me that you're listening, even if it's because you accidentally got dumped at landfill and accidentally hit an accidentally discarded phone on the way down and started playing this. Hang in there, help isn't coming anytime soon. Gotta wait at least, uh, two hours? Enough to listen to this episode and another one and leave a positive review, and I'll get around to getting you help eventually. But in the meantime, to everyone else, make sure to like the show, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe on YouTube. Also, share, comment, do all the other internet things that your more favorite people tell you to do. Uh, I don't have anything in particular to bring up right now, uh, since I don't have any new big projects coming up. Um, but that doesn't mean you should stop or can uh, stop sending in emails. Those are still very much appreciated. Um, also, once again, I'm going to apologize for the late episode. I I feel like maybe I should stop <laughs> apologizing for late episodes because uh, most of them just kind of vaguely come out on the on the correct week. Um, so yeah, I mean, and here's the. Here's the here's the deal, everyone. Um, if you want the episodes to come out at a more consistent time, uh, you really, really got to help me get out of this job prison. Uh, but with that, yeah, let's go on to the show. All right. So today we're talking about garbage and our apparent obsession with creating it. Because holy fuck do we make a whole lot. But, I mean, we're also going to talk about waste management and how uh, misunderstood it is. Because we kind of talk shit on waste management, both, I think, reasonably and unreasonably, and also pun intended. But most of us don't really actually know the process. But before that, let's go to some good old-fashioned classic definitions. So, firstly, what is waste and garbage? I mean, at its core, you. Not nah, just kidding. You're trying your best, and I love you for it. In reality, waste and garbage are unusable or unwanted materials. And this runs the gambit of states of matter, like solid, liquids, and gas, as well as a few categories of waste. Those being industrial, biological, household, municipal, organic, biomedical, and radioactive. And while some of these might sound like they're the same or similar, uh, there are differences. So industrial waste is all the trash created from production and factories. Biological waste is trash that are contaminated by or contains biological agents like petri dishes and PPE and condoms. Household waste is garbage generated by your own home, like condoms. Municipal waste is everyday trash generated from residences and businesses nearly daily. Organic waste is food, wood, landscaping, and biodegradable waste. Biomedical waste is stuff like needles, bandages, syringes, and medications that are created from medical treatment. 
and radioactive waste is garbage that gives you cancer and makes the uh, funny dial on your suit start screaming. So again, a lot of this is fairly similar, but is also different in important ways, particularly in how it's managed. Which, funnily enough, brings us to waste management. It's almost like I write these scripts in advance. Uh, <laughs> which you'd be... Sometimes you would be surprised I write these things. Um, but waste management is the process to manage trash and garbage all along its lifespan from the generation, collection, transportation, treatment, and then disposal, as well as monitoring and regulating waste and the laws and technology around it. But, I mean, if you're the average Redditor or filthy sexual anarchist, you might be wondering why that's even necessary. I know, my phone's agreeing. Well, because if you're a normal person or have one nearby to explain it to you, you'll recognize that just having garbage around is bad. It is bad for aesthetics. It's bad for your health. It's bad for the environment. Because garbage collects bad smells and toxic elements. Huh. Because garbage collects bad smells and toxic elements tend to leak out. And also, rotting things in massive piles tends to be really bad for animals and people because, you know, disease and poison. So it's important to get rid of it. Which brings us to the core principles of waste management. Uh, so the primary core principle is the waste hierarchy which is a strategy of waste minimization that organizes waste based on its ability to be reduced, uh, with the point being to extract as much as you can from potential waste and let as little of it through as possible. And the hierarchy is an upside-down pyramid, much like how a ton of MLMs say they aren't pyramid schemes by flipping it upside down, uh, and it begins with source reduction and reuse, which means reducing greenhouse emissions and pollutants, producing less toxic waste, and saving resources and energy. And you do that by making manufacturing more efficient and having better distribution systems and companies. So like doing stuff like using 3D printing and not doing wasteful factory practices like throwing our garbage in the same bin. And yes, as a factory worker, I can tell you that absolutely happens. No care for if it's polystyrene, polyvindoline, or the uh, saran wrap. HDPE, dead employees, or poorly dis or poorly disposed of toilet paper. It all goes in the trash compactor out back and tossed into the back of a truck. So in that case, having an actual garbage sorting team in the back of the factory that puts into different containers to be taken care of properly would help a lot. You know, so the dead employees go in the waste grinder and then get sent to the biohazard site. The next level down is recycling and composting, which I think is fairly self-explanatory. So, when recycling, it's taking the trash and cycling them through again to be remanufactured into something else. While composting would be taking the stuff that can get turned back into dirt and making it do that before you then use it to grow more organic material. You know, like cycle of life, infinite food glitch kind of shit. The third level down is, ener is energy recovery where you use the garbage to turn into something like fuel, electricity, and heating, particularly in things like municipal power plants and fuel refinement. For example, remember our episode of Renewable Energy? Well, we talked about municipal power generation burning trash to turn turbines. We can also refine some garbage into fuel, like bio-waste or trash made from dead things can be refined into biofuel, or how we're starting to develop technologies to be able to turn plastics back into oil and use that in fuel refinement. I mean, which isn't the most efficient right now, but we're figuring it out. Also, not the most environmentally friendly, but like probably more environmentally friendly than like drilling for new oil and also just leaving plastic outside to rot, like we talked about in that episode. But the final option is disposal, which is when you take the trash and treat it through physical, chemical, and biological treatment to reduce its potential pollution and threat, and then you toss it into a landfill which is where garbage just rots until it eventually becomes dirt. And what's the most common treatment method? Incineration. Because few biological, chemical, or physical threats can survive being burned into ashes, and also burning entirely neutralizes the chemical and biological effects of most things. So, you know, also keep that in mind for home defense. The most effective way to defend your home is to turn someone to ashes. 
Oh, there's a cat inside. Now, the second principle is product life cycle, uh, where we strap the product down to a chair and ask it some questions, with, with the phone book included. Also, if you don't know what that's referencing, um, <laughs> I don't know if it's a practice that still happens. Sorry, this cat's very, very loud. It's not, it's not my cat, by the way. Um, <laughs> but what's that, what that's referencing is that, um, I'm not sure if it's a practice that's still done, but sometimes back in the day, uh, to interrogate someone, uh, police detectives would put a phone book up against someone's head and punch it, um, because as a way to hurt someone without leaving a, a wound. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so we put a phone book to the side of its head and ask it some questions, such as, can you be reused? Do you need a waste-minimizing design? How do we milk you longer? And do we even need you? Which is the scariest, if you're ever being interrogated and someone asks, do I even need you? Uh, you're about to die. Um, but by asking these things, we can determine ways to make the product better or discontinue it. And shove it to the bottom of the ocean. So, for example, the motherfucking amount of plastic and electronics containers combined with the force obsolescence of electronics, and don't worry, that's a future episode, uh, we can make this much better by changing the design of the packaging to, you know, not be entirely, to, you know, not be 95% entirely unrecyclable plastic, and instead be smaller and also biodegradable. Oh, and also, we should probably, oh, I don't know, make them a bit more survivable and long-lived. I mean, that'd be fucking great. Okay, and the last core principle is resource efficiency, which is just reducing the amount of resources used in manufacturing. <laughs> Sorry, the cat's howling. My God. I don't know how much of that I'm going to keep in there, but yeah, he was howling. He was, like, staring me right in the eyes and howling. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, alright, but with all of that covered, <laughs> chaotic recording session right now, uh, with all that covered, let's talk about how we manage waste in the U.S. So, firstly, we categorize waste into 11 different categories. First is municipal solid waste, which is, like, solid household, commercial, retail, and institutional waste created from things like residences, hotels, motels, holiday inns, and other places where you take your friends, Facilities with housing and shopping areas. Second is hazardous waste like pesticides, herbicides, poisons, corrosives, solvents, fuel, paint, mercury, crusty dowsion, and other toxic materials. And if you if you need help remembering that one, basically like think of all of the things that you would plant in someone's food to collect life insurance, especially the crusty dowsion. Uh, third is industrial non-hazardous waste, which is anything created from industrial sources that don't cause too much pollution or damage to your health or the environment. You know, like industrial strength plastic wraps and dead employees. Fourth is agricultural and animal waste, which is all the stuff we grow and breed that we don't use. Get your mind out of the gutter. Fifth is medical waste, which is created from the medical industry, including, including biohazards and medications. Sixth is radioactive waste, which we've already covered. Uh, seventh is construction and demolition debris, which is waste created from the build from the building and destruction of structures and is usually not good to breathe in or chew on. You know, like the drywall you keep chewing on when your mom isn't looking. Eighth is extraction and mining debris, which is the unwanted materials from mines and quarries. You know, like the corpses of miners, coal dust, rocks we don't want, and also the tears of the families of the miners. Ninth is oil and gas waste, which is all the stuff left over from collecting, manufacturing, and refining of oil and gas. Tenth is fossil fuel waste, which is basically like the last one, but with stuff like coal. And finally is human shit. Literal human shit. And how do we get it all in one place? Easy. With trucks and private corporations and also public agencies. So for most places, you either put your garbage out in the corner, or you hire an industrial truck to come parking at work site with a dumpster in the back. And for the corner of the garbage, and for the corner garbage, it gets picked up by a company that collects trash. 
Then, this garbage is taken to a treatment and sorting facility or industrial waste center, which is either government-run or a private organization. Once there, the workers try to figure out where exactly you send a 20-ounce bottle filled with tobacco chew that's solidified to a single puck with torn-up pages of what is either a suicide note or a play manuscript, which, let's be honest, those are the same things, floating in it. But once the garbage is sent where it needs to be, we use one of the many ways of managing our garbage. Oh, and also, the reason why a lot of times that you can throw shit away, uh, that's like, should I be sharing this? You know, it's interesting. I trust none of you are committing heinous crimes. So, the reason why a lot of times you can just, like, throw shit in a dumpster that might link you to a crime is because all of that garbage goes in one container at the sorting facility. So even if they see it and, like, know, like, oh, shit, this was used in a crime, there's no way to really trace that back to you because it's in the same dumpster as, like, every other piece of garbage for the, like, uh, in, like, a 10-mile area. So, yeah. Don't commit crimes that are immoral. That's where I'm going to leave it. And don't fucking blame me. Okay, so... <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay, uh, getting back on track. So in the U.S., how do we handle these kinds of waste? Well, going from least to most common, we first have waste prevention methods, which is stopping it, which is stopping it from happening in the first place. Uh, like how the government created butt plugs to clog your ass to prevent sewage buildup until the furries got their hands on it, now everyone's using it for pleasure instead of constipation like a real fucking American. Or in a world not my own insane imaginings, is continuing to use something until it doesn't work at all and it's absolute garbage before throwing it out or making things less wastefully. And this isn't particularly popular in the U.S. for why hope is obvious reasons. I mean, if you love anything more than eating sugar, shooting children in both the school shooter and also shooting jizz ways, and driving our lifted pickup trucks, it's throwing things away when we get bored of it. The neat, the neast, uh, the next least common is composting, which is a method of breaking down organic materials to be turned into soil and manure to be used for agricultural uses. And this is also very, very effective because it produces very little pollution and you can use this to grow new organic materials. So again, it's like eating your own shit as an infinite food glitch. But there is a... That doesn't work, by the way. Uh, (laughs) I'm not going to expound. But there is a couple major problems here. See, first of all, composting takes a very long time. Imagine, if you will, you leave a tomato too raw on the counter of your kitchen, and yes, that's happened in my house, and no, it wasn't me. How long do you think it would take for that to return to the soil? Two weeks-ish. But that's a single piece of soft produce. How long do you think it takes meat, bone, how about cotton cloth? All this takes a long time, which isn't great as far as land use goes. It also smells like literal shit. And the other problem is that any contaminant, and I mean any, basically ruins the entire thing. And while sure, it's not going to literally make the entire thing unusable, you'd have to go through and scour through every single ounce of the 12 tons of rotting, shit-smelling dirt to find the one 18-ounce spilled bottle of Windex that Kevin thought was biodegradable. Fuck Kevin. Next is recycling, which is taking the material and reusing it or turning it into a new item, which is particularly useful and feasible for things like glass, paper, plastic, and aluminum that are fairly easy to break down and reuse. And we're even approaching the point where we can easily recycle things like steel, which has historically been kind of hard to recycle because you can only really melt down steel so many times before it comes too fragile to be usable for anything. Uh, We're also technologically getting close to being able to fully recycle wood. But if you send wood to a recycling plant, it'll probably just be reused. Um, so there's a good so there's a good amount of waste that can be reused, but like we talked about in the plastics episode, 
All of these materials have their own process, and cross-contamination can ruin the entire batch. And also, it's pricey, and it's not viable for everything. Uh, if you want an example of like what not being viable for everything includes, think like electronics. Um, a lot of times, like the process of throwing out electronic will just break it beyond fucking repair. So, like, I mean, also like a lot of electronics are very sensitive internally. So it's not like you can like strip out all the gold from an electronic and reuse it for another electronic because it's it's fucked beyond recognition. Uh, so the next most common is incineration, which is meant to destroy the material and turn it into ashes and gas, which, as we talked about earlier, entirely or mostly neutralizes its effects. But what it also does is make it easier to compact. Because I mean, think about it, what's easier to stuff into a landfill? A big pile of loose ashes or an entire human body with a wooden pallet clipping through it like a Gmod ragdoll? And which one gets Father Samuel asking you fewer goddamn questions? And I mean, this is really popular in the U.S., given we have a lot of work accidents and, you know, you don't always want to pay the insurance. However, this does cause a lot of pollution, and uh, I don't know if you've ever had the misfortune of smelling burning garbage, but it's bad. Okay, and then the most common method is landfilling. Just basically digging a big hole and throwing our garbage in the bottom and hoping that doesn't go wrong. Only partially kidding. See, we put stuff at the bottom to stop it from seeping into the environment. But just in case, we also make sure the soil below it is non-porous. And then we staff it with people to make sure that the garbage doesn't leak everywhere. That's some very high-tech anti-contamination, anti-scavenging measures measures like scarecrows and signs written in raccoon that say fuck off cum guzzler to make sure that while the trash is rotting and becoming a post-apocalyptic loot spot or a cool dig site for future archaeologists you know depending on how hopeful you feel about the future but i mean here's the deal you might have noticed about these options they all have drawbacks some of them are significant or make the method almost impossible to do for some materials What's the only one you could technically do for literally all garbage? Yep, landfill. So, I mean, with that in mind, let's go over to the history section. Alright, so we begin at the beginning of human history. Oh, yeah, no dismounts. Uh, this isn't a joke. See, at the beginning of human time, we still made garbage. But because of a combination of low population density and producing entirely organic waste, uh, we really didn't have to do a whole lot with it. I mean, until we started living together really close in cities. Uh, which, speaking of which, beginning in 6500 BC, we have the first evidence of wastewater systems in Elkom in Mesopotamia, just northeast of Palmyria. And for those of you that don't know where literally any of this shit is, that's for the archaeology and geography nerds, not for you. But if you insist, if you insist, but if you insist, that's smack dab right in the middle of Syria. But the system consisted of a system of gutters within residences that you dump your poopy and piss and also garbage into that would connect to a larger sewer system that then connects to the regional sewer system that would then go into a waterway. If you care a lot about sewer archaeology, architecture and you're asking yes they did indeed have settling chambers which also if you're familiar with sewer architecture is like crazy advancement and being the big dumb greek assholes they were the ancient greeks realized that they can't live in filth about 3500 years later with gnosis developing its first landfill in 3000 bc uh, which is on the island of crete which sometimes the ancient greeks didn't consider to even be greek so And a thousand years later, China, much like they often do with these timelines, developed something that we struggle with today. Recycling and composting. Uh, in their case, it was particularly for like, things like wood and bronze. And then 500 BC, in ancient Greece again, Athens introduces a law that you're required to dump garbage at least one mile away, because, holy fuck, did the ancient Greeks apparently live in filth. 
speaking of uh, copying the Greeks and living in filth, ancient Rome, uh, where they built extensive sewer systems within most of their cities and across their empire, and is at least partially the reason for their aqueduct systems. Because the one in Rome that emptied into their drinking water at the Tiber River, called the, and get this fucking name, Cloaca Maxima, polluted and contaminated the river so severely that they became reliant on their aqueducts. But in addition to the big stone tunnels, the ancient Romans also made use of lead, ceramic, wood, and leather pipes to transport both sewage and water, meaning you could have something that vaguely resembles modern-day water systems. Uh, they also had garbage collection agencies and companies that would sell organic waste to farmers, and because of how common street vendors were, and also due to being wealthy pieces of shit, Rome used disposable ceramics so often that there are now literal hill so often that there is now a literal hill that is a massive clay deposit that still exists to this day that was the landfill for disposable ceramic dishware. And that's like 2000 years later there's still a massive clay deposit there. Um also interesting is the 250 AD Mayan Empire where people would ritualistically burn their garbage together in a massive fire pit communally. Which might sound nice, but this was usually done once a year. And there's no evidence that I found that they don't save it up, but I would I would really hope and assume not. But assuming that they do save their garbage for that, means that once a year you're burning a pile of everyone's rotting trash from the entire year. Which I can't fucking imagine how terrible that smells. Okay, but now we're going to move on to the Middle Ages. So, despite the reputation otherwise, the uh, Middle Ages weren't filthy. At least, not nearly as filthy as people assume. Because people still don't like the smell of rotting garbage and shit in the streets, for the most part, people in the Middle Ages, even in cities, would store their shit in jars to sell off to nightmen, who are people that collect human shit, or night soil, to be sold off to farmers. Uh, that being said, for the most part, dumping waste, human or not, was mostly just straight up dumped into waterways that either aren't used for other things, or are tossed out way up or downstream to not be a problem. Which also, that doesn't work, but they didn't know about like bacteria and viruses. So, um, And this is also why the River Thames is such a son of a bitch. Also, did you know that there's sharks in the River Thames? People in, people in Britain can't have anything. Uh, but because everyone in London was dumping their trash in, into it for literal centuries, it's fucking toxic. Uh, speaking of which, in 1388, England's Parliament bans the dumping of waste in both ditches and public waterways, as the pollution of the Thames was getting too bad. It was getting too bad in the Middle Ages. Um, also, there's evidence that this law was introduced because there was literally one area of London in particular where people would just dump their shit out of their windows for some fucking reason, and the people of London had more than enough. And still, kind of in the Middle Ages, I would consider it the Middle Ages, uh, in 1551, the German Andreas Bernhardt uh, develops paper packaging to transport and deliver food, which introduces packaging to Europe and also introduces what will soon become the bane of humanity. And as we move on a few hundred years, we meet Corbin Morris, an English economics writer and official that, should, that suggests that, hey, maybe we should introduce a sanitation system. Because London has been going through overcrowding for decades... and was also going through such rampant industrialization that trash was just building up in the streets. And what he proposed that we do with all the garbage, dying orphans, empty opium vials, and coat and coal soot so thick that your local femboy would be jealous? Oh, throw it in the river. Yep, he suggested that the best way to get rid of the garbage is to toss it in the Thames. Which, you know, will have absolutely zero consequences. But by the end of the 18th century, London develops an organized system of waste collection, including dust yards where people collect and sell coal ash to brickmakers and farmers. Which again, 
so Victorian, and there's no way that can bite us in the ass. Uh, still in London, by 1842, due to a public health debate in the UK and a massive fucking cholera outbreak, people are starting to get interested in waste management again. I mean, funny how that works, huh? We don't really care until we need it. But Edwin Chadwick argued that London needed to have an actual waste removal system instead of shoving things in the river to, impro- to improve public health and well-being. You know, because they were still using the River Thames for, uh, drinking water. Just fucking crazy. But also, four years later, the Nuisance Removal and Disease Prevention Act is passed, which is not racist, as it sounds, uh, created not only the occupation of health of public health inspector, but also centralized garbage collection under the Metropolitan Board of Works, uh, which did seem to start to improve things a bit. And this was both helped and hurt by garbage incinerators created in Nottingham in 1874. But given that it was, you know, in the fucking city, so garbage ashes was just straight up being dusted all over the public, there were demands for it to close. The next year, the Public Health Act passes, which required weekly waste collection in London and the UK with the purpose of preventing scavenging and also to improve public health. And by the 20th century, garbage carriages, still called trucks because truck doesn't mean automobile with a vanity bed, it means pulley because it was meant to pull things, were introduced in Europe and North America and were pulled by horses until everyone realized that having a two-ton shit factory pull something meant to collect shit was a bad idea, and they motorized it. And by the 1920s, these became closed-bodied and gained the pneumatic pumping me- pneumatic pumping mechanism. That sounds like fun. The pneumatic dumping mechanism we know them for today. Uh, but with that, we're going to move on to the American timeline. So, largely before the 20th century, much of how we treat garbage is how humanity's treated for centuries. And this makes sense, given that the U.S., as much as we hate to admit it, comes from the Brits. I, I know, I know, it just makes you gag thinking about it, but it's alright. So, largely our system was just dump shit wherever it gets us, wherever it gets us, uh-huh. So, I mean, largely our system was just dump shit wherever it gets it away from us, and is the least stinky. And in connection to that, in 1657, New York York City passes its first anti-littering laws, which is impressive given that in, which is impressive given that even in 1790, the population in New York was only 49,000. I mean, think, London was bigger than that before they introduced laws to disallow dumping into the Thames. It just goes to show how much those filthy fucking Brits are crayon munchers. And again, outpacing the British in terms of development, Benjamin Franklin starts a street cleaning service by 1757. And the same year, he starts to suggest that we start using landfills. Now, by the 19th century, despite Ben Franklin telling us that maybe we need to take care of some things, the streets are filling with trash, dead animals, shit, and horse manure because, you know, Industrial Revolution. And also, horses were used constantly across most major cities in the U.S., but what was the reason for all this? Like, yeah, we literally did ignore Benny Boy. didn't have any form of centralized garbage disposal. But there is hope because by 1885, we built our first trash incinerators to burn shit and dead animals, but still. Oh, and also, this is 10 years after the British stopped putting them in public, so seemingly we didn't, but, I mean, you never know. So might not have really helped with the shit stack. And about 10 years later, and back in NYC, they become the first city in the U.S. to have a public sector garbage management system. Honestly, we were probably burning it publicly. And now we enter in the 1900s, beginning with the first landfills being developed, and the nation having 300 incinerators nationwide, which might not sound like a whole lot, but I want you to... If you've never been near a garbage incinerator, you have no idea what this is like. It's fucking awful. Uh, 300 nationwide is a lot. Um, but in 1934, the Supreme Court bans dumping municipal waste in the ocean, which, holy fuck, I'm kind of surprised that it took us that long. I mean, like, I get it, we weren't the best people in the 1930s, for a lot of reasons. 
But you'd think we'd know that dumping trash in the ocean was a bad idea, given the entire history of humanity of dumping garbage into the waterways being bad. Anyways, four years later, we invent the hydraulic compactors on garbage trucks that are used now. In 1945, the government bans open-burning dumps, and backyard burns become heavily regulated and prohibited. And, excuse me, I fucking thought this was goddamn America. If I wanted to set an old washing machine filled with dog turds and plastic wrap on fire in my own fucking backyard, then the feds can come catch these hands. Also, don't. The feds will... (laughs) You don't want to fuck around with the uh, federal authorities. They'll kill you. Uh, they won't even try to make it look like an accident. They'll just fucking shoot you. Uh, but around this time, because, you know, America, consumerism and commercialism are skyrocketing. Since, you know, we survived the Second World War largely unscathed, and our factories were snowballing their production capacity, and everyone who was coming back wanted some good old-fashioned luxuries to fill that hole in their soul from watching another 18-year-old get his insides turned into outsides by Nazis. But in 1947, this is already causing a problem as packaging disposal increases by 67%. And by the 1960s, starting to see pollution as a problem for everyone and not just minorities, we actually start to do something about it. So in 1963, the Clean Air Act passes, which is meant to control air pollution, while in 1965, the Solid Waste Disposal Act is passed, which allows the government to perform research on landfills and and resource recovery efforts. Which I'm not entirely sure, and, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't the U.S. government already have the right to do that? I mean, what rights could garbage already have that apparently actual people didn't have? And if you don't know what I'm referencing and want to hate the world even more, look up the Tuskegee experiments. But anyways, by 1968, we've started to separate waste between garbage and recycle, and a lot of states are implementing and a lot of states are implementing systems. Well, I mean, a, a third, we're tossing out a third, uh, not all garbage. Uh, and two years later, the EPA is founded, which, like most things created in the 1970s, is incredibly ineffective. Which, questionably, one of them is the 1976 Resource Conservation and Recovery Act being passed, which is a plan for waste management and recycling. Now, mind, this isn't actually doing anything. It's an action plan. So the government, after several... So the government, after several rivers have caught on fire, garbage has flooded the streets, and the oceans are filling with trash, are finally sitting down saying, well, maybe we should do something about this. But now we get to 1991, when we have more than 5,000 biohazardous waste disposal programs and sites across the U.S. So, you know, we were actually doing something. You know, 15 years later... Uh, It also wasn't until 1994 that federal agencies are actually forced to do something by making them buy and use recycled products, and the Office of Federal Environmental Executive was founded to oversee this. Uh, And finally, by the 2000s, 5,000 U.S. cities started using a pay-as-you-throw system, which forces you to pay for the amount of garbage that you produce. But with that, let's hop on over to talking about right now. Alright, so let's talk about what the fuck is going on with trash. And unfortunately, I'd rather not watch TikTok pranksters, so let's instead talk about waste management. And this time, we're really going to basically talk about the issues and the data at the same time. So, firstly, how much garbage is created? Well, the U.S. produces 292 million tons of municipal waste alone as of 2018 which is only one of the 11 kinds of garbage produced, but is also the easiest to track. But that is not only 12% of the world's garbage, but is also about 4.9 pounds of trash per person per day, which is what leads us to the first issue, that our economy and commercialism encourages us to be wasteful and create massive amounts of garbage and waste. How so? Well, we're kind of educated to just buy, buy, buy to pack that hole in our soul with stuff until we get bored and then throw it away and do it again. And all of this is not only helped by the fact that the stuff with the lowest lifespan has the most packaging, which is the second issue. 
uh, from fast food and ready meals, candy, and even electronics and single-use healthcare items like cough drops and tampons, they're all just so coated in so much goddamn disposable packaging that creates literal mountains within just a week. Electronics and plastics are even worse, because many of these products don't break down, but we still throw them out at almost the same rate. On top of that, since the cost of trash management is part of taxes and companies aren't charged for their waste, companies aren't really given incentive to reduce their waste and use more efficient packaging. This means they can make truly insane amounts of garbage. But with that, how much of each kind of trash do we produce? And keep in mind, this is all municipal solid waste. So, 23.05% of all garbage is paper and cardboard. 21.6% is food. 12.2% is plastic. 12.1% are yard trimmings and yard debris. 8.76% are metals. 6.19% is wood, which I really wish that was 6.9%. 5.83% are textiles. 4.19% is glass. 3.13% is from rather, rather rubber and leather, and 2.95% is just miscellaneous junk. Which does bring us to another issue as we talk about where this shit goes. See, a ton of pollution comes from our extremely poor management garbage, which to be fair isn't entirely our fault, since a ton of this stuff is very difficult to deal with responsibly. But, you know, air pollution from incinerators and methane from landfills, and also water contamination from waste leaching the forbidden landfill jungle juice into the water supply, or improperly stored and dumped garbage, are still massive issues. On top of that, something that's absolutely our fault is. On top of that, something that absolutely is our fault is the massive resource waste, where 321 million trees worth of paper were tossed in the landfills in 2018 alone. And we wasted nearly 30 million acres of food in a year. But with that in mind, where does everything go? Well, 69.1 nice million tons are recycled. Sorry, it's I have to do it. It is my body won't let me not do that. It's a it's a condition. It's a very serious condition. Uh, fuck you for bringing it up. Um, but of that, 66.54% of that is is paper and cardboard. 12.62% is metal. 6.05% is rubber, leather, or textile. 4.49% is wood. 4.47% is plastic. And 4.443% is glass. Which is quite a lot, but at the same time is, what, 23% of all garbage we create? And we know that a lot more can be recycled, but isn't. 42.6 million tons are composted, with 52.35% being yard trimmings, 41.57% being food, and 6.08 being food-based compost, which is like food that's already rotting or rotten by the time that the garbage company gets to it. Um, which, again, is very low compared to what we know is possible. 34.6 million tons are used for energy recovery, which is 21.85% food, 16.27% plastic, 12.16% paper and cardboard, 9.32% textiles, 5 point, I mean, sorry, dyslexia, 8.54% metal, 8.22% wood, 7.44% yard trimmings, 7.24% rub, rubber and leather, I almost did the same thing again. 4.7% glass, and 4.23% miscellaneous waste. And all of that means that it's getting burned in incinerators to turn a turbine. Which again, like the plastics episode, sounds like a great idea to burn fucking plastic and rubber and just let the air out. Right? That sounds like a great idea. Definitely not poison. But, yeah, the remaining 146.1 tons is just straight up dumped into a landfill. But, I mean, like we mentioned before, that's the only real option. Because trash, by definition, is the stuff we don't want or need anymore. So we don't really have any responsible choices for what to do with it. But we make so much of it that we need to do something. And the best bet we have is to put in a big hole and make sure it doesn't leak and wait until there's something we can do with it. Which, I mean, isn't good, but what's the other option? Burn it and spread poison everywhere? I mean, we're already 
kind of doing that, but, you know, because we don't really have any other options, we're stuck using landfills. And with that in mind, how can we fix this? How can we make this better? Well, for that, let's go to the solutions. So, what are our options? Well, I mean, firstly, we need to consider putting more effort and focus on recycling and composting. Because, yes, it's expensive, but a good reason why we don't do it more often is because of errors in the system. We simply don't sort garbage in a way that lets us recycle efficiently. But, you know, anyways, 96.9% of all trash could be recycled or composted, which most of all food and yard trimmings, 33.7% of all trash, are able... But anyways, 96.9% nice percent of all trash could be recycled or composted, you know, with most or all food waste and yard trimmings being 33.7% of all trash being able to be composted. Uh, but we don't really have the infrastructure for it because we basically need a ton of massive fucking composting drums or in the size scale warehouses, and also trucks to transport to the people that want it, like farmers and fucking weirdos. Uh, paper and cardboard can also be recycled or composted fairly easily, but we don't necessarily have the infrastructure to support the sheer amount we produce, and it's the same story for metal, glass, and plastic. And we've also covered why some plastics can't be recycled. Uh, and while things like rubber... Wood, leather, and textiles are becoming more and more feasible to fully recycle rather than simply reusing. We're still not there. But again, all this requires us to not only get better at sorting, but also have the infrastructural needs to deal with it. So, I mean, that's not really feasible. What's another thing we can do? Well, I mean, we can try to make an concerted effort to reduce our waste by incentivizing industries to reduce their waste production and force them to produce less waste, as well as trying to reuse things. I mean, we can do the same thing in our personal lives, trying to fix our own possessions and reusing and repurposing things instead of throwing them away when we get tired of them or don't need them anymore, or whatever the fuck our excuses. But I mean, we're Americans, so we're not going to punish corporations or do any amount of hard work. So we could also move away from single-use containers and consumerism in general. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, let's just ramp up our infrastructure and keep trying. But we do have another option. Education. Fuck, we're doomed. Okay, but that that's what brings us the to the... See, we're doomed. That's what brings us to the options section. Opinions. Fuck! Because what we're covering is the effect that recycling promotion has on our communities an ability to actually recycle. 28% of communities promote recycling, 48% encourage it, and the remaining 22% aren't even putting in the bare minimum. So first, let's compare policies these communities have. So first is curbside pickup, with 84% of communities that promote recycling, 67% of encouragers, and 36% of non-encouragers having it. 80% of promoters, 68% of encouragers, and 48% of non-encouragers have drop-off recycling centers. And 62% of promoters, 48% of encouragers, and 30% of non-encouragers have electronics recycling services. So immediately, we can see a connection between encouraging recycling and access to the facilities you need. So if you want in your community, pressure your community leaders to invest in both promotion and actually providing these facilities. But this also changes your behaviors. So 81% of people who live in promoting communities recycle most of the time. 59% of people in encouraging communities recycle most of the time. And only 32% in communities that don't encourage recycling. And of the people that do recycle in communities that promote it, 60% of people review recycling rules compared to 43% of encouragers and 25% of people who don't live in communities that encourage recycling. So what this means is that when you live somewhere that tells you recycling is important, then you do it more often. And who fucking knew, right? Alright, let's go to the soapbox. So I didn't really ever feel strongly about this until I did the research for this episode, but once I did, I, I think I actually have a controversial opinion again. I 
I don't think that this is actually as much of a problem as we've turned it into. Okay, and I know how that sounds, but this is yet another example of there being a massive fucking problem that has an easy answer that we aren't doing. And unlike every other issue, this persists because of pure laziness and having too many fires to put out. Like, not cleaning your room because you're depressed. Like, you have too many fires to put out to really, like, focus on the small things. See, the deal is that by reducing the amount of single-use packaging, companies save money. By increasing recycling, companies save money. By becoming more self-sufficient, you save money. I mean, also, all, and I mean, also it feels good. So, I mean, everyone can stand to save and make money from this. Except for the people making single-use packaging, but hey, they don't need to make George Foreman's of plastic boxes, and people are always going to be lazy, so they don't even really have to pivot that hard. And we can save the environment at the same time. The problem that we have right now is that we can see waste management, but don't seem to want to do anything about it. You know, it's like trying to reduce waste in our own life and being sustainable. And I personally already want to live more sustainably. I don't think I've met a single person that doesn't want to be more sustainable. Honestly, I think one of my biggest moral points is to live sustainably. I believe in using things until they literally fall apart or are otherwise unusable, scrapping them for parts and taking whatever you can reuse and give them to someone who can use them. And embracing that would help a ton with the garbage issue we're having. Not only the U.S., but worldwide. And while I'd like to imagine that that's enough, it isn't. Because while, yes, I think we've overblown this entire thing and made it seem like this is the sole symbol of our idiocy and hubris, uh, I feel like most of the internet is that, uh, we do need to actively do something about it. It's not like we're going to drown in complete trash because there's only so much matter on the planet, but we don't need to because we'll kill ourselves with garbage before then. So yes, we need to fix this. Also, Let's not pretend that if we fix this, we fix all of our environmental problems. In reality, we fix this, we prove that we aren't the most incompetent sentient species in the universe. So, uh, yeah, I mean, let's, let's end the episode. Hey, finally an episode that isn't depressing at the end. Anyways, if you have opinions, advice on how to make the show better how much shit you produce in a day, the filth you live in, and really anything else you want to tell me, make sure to email me at waytappods at gmail.com. That is W-A-Y-T-A-T-P-O-D-S at gmail.com. Remember to check out my other podcast, Waytap Nerd, where I do basically the same thing, both nerd topics like fantasy, sci-fi, role-playing games, etc., where I hope you'll like the topics just as much. And also remember to follow me on Twitter at waytap underscore pods for more episode announcements and also some random shit posts. Alright, have a good night, don't murder, have fun, and remember, you produce 4.9 pounds of shit per day. Don't let anyone take that from you. This has been Why Are You Talking About This? I've been your host, William. Good night.